This is Roger Penske, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, sponsored by Penske Truck Rental. IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. The 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season is over, and Scott Dixon goes into the offseason as the winner of three of the last four races. He drove to victory in the September 10th Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey in a wild race that saw a record eight yellow flags for 35 laps in the 95-lap contest at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca. It was Dixon's 56th career IndyCar Series win as the 43-year-old six-time IndyCar champion creeps closer to A.J. Foyt's record of 67 wins and seven championships. Dixon finished the season strong, but it wasn't enough to catch his Chip Ganassi racing teammate Alex Pelot. The Spaniard clinched his second IndyCar title in three seasons with a win at the Bitnile Grand Prix of Portland on September 3rd. We will have a special Pit Pass Indy next week featuring an in-depth interview with Pelot. This week's episode will wrap up the season finale with Scott Dixon, followed by exclusive in-depth interviews with IndyCar owner Roger Penske and another exclusive interview with Mark Biles. But first, let's hear from Scott Dixon after he overcame plenty of adversity, including an engine change before the race, to win Sunday's Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey on this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Alex Pelot may be the champion, but Scott Dixon remains the king of IndyCar. You got your 56th career victory in the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. Not exactly an easy path to your first victory at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca. Started off with an engine change, grid spot penalty, drive through on pit lane for avoidable contact. Nutty way to get to victory lane. How do you explain it? Yeah, it was definitely uh, one of those those weekends. I was, I was definitely bummed this morning. You know, I think when we had the failure and, uh, you know, I know we, we all try to do the best that we can and, and uh, to, to get a grid penalty, especially at this place. You know, I think with how we saw practice, it was either going to be a green to check a race or it was going to be, you know, a yellow central. And, and uh, thankfully, it turned out to uh, be a yellow central kind of race. And there was, there was a ton of them. So you could kind of play the strategy game. But the car was super fast. There was no doubt about that. I think uh, both the you know the eight, nine, and the ten, and the eleven, um, you know, had very fast cars today. Honestly, we got clean air and and uh, played the strategy. But yeah, it was definitely 
you know, we had a great start, went from 11th to 5th or 4th and then um, got the drive-through penalty on the second caution, uh, which was which was definitely a bit bizarre, but um, yeah, is what it is and, you know, ultimately came out for the win. The team was thrashing on your car before the race. With Was the engine swap this morning? Yeah, right after warm-up. Unfortunately, we found an issue. Um, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we covered every basis, that, that it wasn't going to be a problem in the race. So, you know, we decided to, to change it. But, you know, I think today, especially this morning with uh, the warm-up and, and the delay that we had, um, you know, with, with the fog, uh, there was really only an hour and a half turnaround from, you know, warm up to, to grid roller or maybe even an hour and 15. So, you know, huge kudos to, to everybody on the nine car side to get that change done. Uh, it was very special to, to see them work so hard. And, and ultimately, this is the best way you can kind of uh, play it out. At Chip Ganassi Racing, everything is the team. And when they were changing the engine in your car before the race, I saw uniforms from all four of the team members on your car working on it. When you see that type of effort, I guess you have to really feel like it's an unbeatable combination. Yeah, it's an amazing group of people. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be a part of this team for, for 20 plus years and just see the effort that they put in, but um, everybody works together and uh, it's, it, it takes um, a bit of time and, and it's very difficult to, to actually have that scenario where people actually all get on. They, you know, we all travel like a big circus and some room together and some don't. And, you know, just to, to have that uh, kind of harmonious uh, situation is, is very difficult. But, you know, I think in, in the, the low times of, of, you know, when you're kind of thrashing in those situations, that's when this team is, is so strong. The start of the race, first lap, turn two, mayhem, contact everywhere. IndyCar Race Control decides to penalize you. You weren't happy with it. What do you think was the reason why they even singled you out to give you that penalty? Uh, I don't really know yet. I haven't seen the replay. I don't feel like I did anything egregious. You know, there was definitely a lot of chaos going on. There was cars coming back on track. And I think from, you know, my point of view, it, it was really called on the, the 21 and the contact with me, but he was kind of coming back on track. So I don't know how that's really my fault. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going as fast as you can. You're trying to make any spot. Uh, I don't think I, you know, tried to really end anybody's day or drive anybody off. So, you know, that, 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 that's kind of, I think those, those penalties, you know, some of these penalties you see where they give, you know, you got to give one spot up, but you know, I think McLaughlin and myself, we got drive-throughs. There was a lot of drive-throughs going on. It was, it was a bit of chaos, but uh, yeah, it's hard to comment on it because I haven't seen the full replay, but uh, I think it was uncalled So with the drive-through, you're now the last cars on the lead lap. So at that point, is that when you decided you were going to go to your strategy with the pit stops or, I mean, really it helped because it just seemed like everything fell into your favor after that. Not really. Like, I think, I think, you know, you, you want to have a race where, where there's no, uh, you know, no issues. You know, I think had we stayed where we were with fifth, um, you know, the race could have played out very similar. You know, I think we, we, we called the race, you know, Mike and, and Ross and, and Simmons and Chip did a great job of, you know, they always look at the race backwards, right? You know, how do you get to, to lap 95 and how do you play that backwards? And and uh, I think we would have pitted around the same time that we did, obviously having enough fuel to get to the end, but also the right, you know, tires and, and all that kind of scenario. So, yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the, the you know, the drive-through put us in a scenario where kind of we were a bottom feeder and trying to get everything out of it. Um, you know, there was plenty of those going on today. So it's just uh, the right strategy at the right time. So you're around 12, 13, 14th all the cars that were ahead of you but they all needed the pit again so you had to know at some point the race is going to cycle back and you're going to be in front 
Yeah, but you know, some of those guys didn't need to pit. You know, we we passed Flu on a restart. We passed uh, the seventy-seven and the seventy-eight. Um, you know, we had a really good battle with uh, the five as well. I was shocked that the five had to pit. You know, he he pit the same time as the ten did, so I don't really you know within a lap or so. Uh, so that was interesting. I think they maybe had a tire maybe selection that they needed to to complete, but. Um, yeah, I felt like uh, we didn't do anything crazy. You know, we, we had good speed. We were able to pass people when we needed to and, and uh, you know, it gave us a, a great spot, obviously, for that last restart to start off the front. Lap 78, you take the lead, and from that point, you drove away from the field. Finally got that victory at Laguna Seca. How good does that feel? Yeah, very special. You know, it's, uh, it's a special track. It's a track that uh, it's an iconic circuit. Uh, that you know, I've I've loved uh, obviously to to watch you know in, in the you know the late 90s when I first came to America and and then ultimately to, to race on it for the first time in 1999 in Indy Lights. So you know, uh, first win here. Uh, didn't get the uh, the pleasure of winning in Indy Lights here, but um, yeah, what a place and and uh, you know it's kind of cool to to end the season I think with you know three wins out of four races. Obviously, all four podiums for us. Uh, so some good momentum. Um, but ultimately second in the championship. This year, Chip Ganassi's had Howdy Holmes on the timing stand. He's part of the team now, and to have Howdy around, how cool is that? Yeah, it's very cool. You know, uh, Chip, Chip has a lot of uh, a lot of great friends like that, but to, to have Howdy and, and obviously, uh, you know, his brand Jiffy, you know, on the car is, is very special. But, um, you know, I think, it's 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 a lot of fun to have those people around the team, you know, to, to kind of reminisce, to talk about the old times and, you know, times where, you know, they, they were, you know, at the top of their game and, and obviously being now a part of, uh, you know, a different generation. Um, but it's it's special to, to have uh, these people around us, you know, just momentum and what they bring to the team is huge. And also, I do believe on pit lane, as you're about ready to put on the head sock and get ready, I do believe I said to you, I'll talk to you after the race is the race winner. Yeah, you did. You called it, mate. Yes. So anyway, but hey, career victory number 56, 60's doable in 2024. For sure. We can try. All right. As I said, Alex Pillow may be the champion, but Scott Dixon remains the king of IndyCar. Scott, congratulations on career victory number 56 in the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Cheers, mate. My call is the managing director of Chip Ganassi Racing and calls the race strategy for Dixon on the timing stand. I caught up with Hall for his thoughts on the dramatic day just after the checkered flag dropped at Monterey. My call, that's a heck of a way to uh, cap a, a wild day. You had to do an engine change. You got penalized at the beginning. You had to come in and pay a penalty, and he ends up winning the race. We have a guy who drives our car that never gives up. And, uh, you know, the guys who work on his car don't either. And uh, it's great to repeat what he does. Career win number 56 for Scott Dixon. He just keeps climbing up the ranks. There's no reason not to believe that he can't get win number 60 maybe next year. Well, let's hope so. You know, it's one, it is literally one at a time for us, so we'll work on the next one. I wish these points would carry over to next year. At Chip Ganassi Racing, it's all about the team, and when you were changing the engine today, I saw crew members from every 
all four of the teams helping out. How valuable is that to have that type of effort? Well, I think it goes that way with all four. Uh, and today was uh, the nine cars' turn to get help. So And to cap off a championship with one of your drivers, Scott Dixon, winning the race. It's just got to be a perfect way to end it. Great way to win. Uh, what a lineage place to win. Michael, congratulations. Thank you very much, Bruce. Another Chip Ganassi racing driver, Marcus Armstrong, is the 2023 IndyCar Rookie of the Year. He finished eighth in Sunday's race and won the rookie title by 34 points. This in spite of the fact he ran five fewer races than fellow rookie Augustin Canapino of Junco's Hollinger Racing. Armstrong, a 23-year-old from Christchurch, New Zealand, drove the number 11 Chip Ganassi Racing Honda on the street and road courses. Canapino competed in every race. I caught up with Armstrong on pit lane following the race for this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Marcus Armstrong, now we can call you 2023 IndyCar Rookie of the Year. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds pretty damn good. Man, what a, what, a, what a treacherous race. That was mental from start to finish. I thought the race was done after the first corner and then we were leading on our strategy. So uh, I wish I could do some of it again, but rookie of the year, I'm pretty damn happy about it. And it's, you also did it without running in the oval races. So that just goes to show how good your season was on the street and road courses to be able to do it with four or five less races. I know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I guess next year we'll get to test out those ovals, but uh, for, I mean, that's an awesome achievement. I think the team, I mean, I've had an amazing car from start to finish, so um, they did the work for me and uh, I've just been learning every single day. You're also part of an impressive triple crown because Chip Ganassi Racing has the 2023 IndyCar Series champion with Alex Pillow, the final race winner with Scott Dixon, and now Marcus Armstrong is the Rookie of the Year. To be able to share those three major titles at Chip Ganassi Racing, how exciting is that for you? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, the team has been amazing all year. That's, uh, that pretty much sums it up. They've won everything. Well, we've won everything, so um, I'm so proud to be a part of the team. Um, I would have liked to have had a podium today, but wasn't meant to be. Meant to be next year. It seemed like this was probably the wildest race of the year on a road course. Was it because of the repaved surface? It just seemed like mayhem out there at times. It was more than mayhem. It was, it was so slippery offline. And um, yeah, we were fast though. That was a thing. Like, I wish we could do it again, honestly, because it was so much fun. But damn, we should have got a better result, really. And also, just now, you, you can think of a full-time ride, including your first Indianapolis 500 in 2024. So things that got to really be exciting for you with your future here and that you're signed uh, multi-year for Chip Ganassi Racing. Exactly. I'm super proud. I uh, can't wait to be here for a number of years. So best team and looking forward to learning from my mistakes this year and turning them into results. Marcus Armstrong, congratulations on winning the 2023 IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year. Thanks, man. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. 
and last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck... Whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or, for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Hey, everybody, this is Joseph Newgarden, winner of the 107th Indianapolis 500, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Welcome back to this special edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Roger Penske is the chairman of Penske Corporation and the owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, IndyCar, and the Indianapolis 500. Penske saw IndyCar complete a very successful 2023 season, both on the track and in the grandstands and on TV. The 2023 IndyCar Series season may be over, but for Roger Penske and senior management at Penske Corporation, Penske Entertainment, and IndyCar, it's full speed ahead as he continues to build the series into the most exciting form of racing on the planet. Pit Pass Indy was honored to sit down with Roger Penske for this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. It's always an honor to catch up with our next guest. It's IndyCar owner, Indianapolis Motor Speedway owner, and Indianapolis 500 owner, Roger Penske of the Penske Corporation. Mr. Penske, we're at the end of another exciting 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season. It's had a lot of dramatic moments. It's had some great championship moments. We're doing this interview here with two races to go at Portland International Raceway. We have two drivers that are left in a battle for the IndyCar Series Championship, Alex Pillow and Scott Dixon. But as you look back at the great successes the series has had in 2023, what stands out to you? 
Well, I think the main thing is the competitiveness of the series. When you see some of these qualifying weekends where there's less than a second between the whole 27 or 28 cars, and on top of that, you go back a number of years ago, early in, in CART and IRL, and we'd have 17, 18 cars. We're seeing 27, 28 cars coming to these events, which is amazing. And the teams are really sharp. I mean, we've got good sponsors coming in, the quality of the drivers, these young guys coming in who have come up through Indy Next and maybe Formula 2 or 3, whatever it might be in Europe, have made a huge difference. And to me, it's competition. Uh, I think the tracks are stepping up to try to provide uh, a better uh, uh, fan experience. Uh, we're certainly trying to do that at Indianapolis, the races we have there. But, uh, you know, overall, uh, it's competition. I think the TV ratings are best we've had in many years. And to me, uh, I think we're on a roll. With the TV ratings being up, next year is an important year because you'll be negotiating a new TV contract. So where do things stand on that and what are some of the things you would like to see and, and who you're talking to? Well, I'm not involved in the TV discussions. It's really Mark Miles. So I've just on purpose stayed out of that. I think that, uh, you know, we hope to execute a, a long-term contract. Uh, you know, there's a number of people who have uh, offered interest uh, to do something with us in 24 and or 25 and beyond. And I think that's positive. But again, the momentum, the social media, things that you do, and also the current TV momentum has made a big difference. And we hope that uh, that we can get paid for that as we go forward. Do you see where getting uh, having the season completed before the NFL really gets going is very important to boost viewership ratings for IndyCar and awareness? Well, we can see on weekends where we have competition, certain competition that uh, it does uh, take away from you know maybe our fan base. But the good news is, I think with Michael Montre and and certainly uh, with Mark Miles <clears throat> looking at the schedules that are available uh, in places like what well, we've done it. Uh, High V uh, in, in, in Iowa, and just uh, just some great stuff. Uh, the promotions uh, and the fan base, which my understanding is coming out of the office, is that every one of the tracks has seen a bigger increase in their fan base in 2023, which is very positive as we go into next year. Do you see 2023 as really being the first season where you've been able to implement fully the vision that you had for IndyCar when you purchased it at the end of 2019? Well, when we walked in uh, in 2019 and on into COVID, you know, we really got you know, hit in the back of the head, not knowing what to do. And it was really play catch up and, and a lot of defense. And I think that we'd have to say that the organization, uh, you know, led by Mark and uh, certainly Doug Bowles at the Speedway, Jay Fry and the whole team has been amazing. Uh, Kevin Sublet at IMSP, our production company. I think we're on a roll here from the standpoint we're in unison. We're all working as one organization. It's not IMSP, it's not IndyCar and then Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's one organization together. And I think it certainly paid off. We could see it at Indy this year. We looked at our net promoter score coming out of Indianapolis. It was over 85, which is world class. And things we still can make it better. And I think we're trying to demonstrate that as we go across these other venues to try to give them the benefit uh, of who we are and what we want to do and make it better because we want people to come with our kids, our friends, and you know the best thing in the world is uh, you know obviously when you can tell your neighbor I had a great time coming to an indie race, it's repeat referral as far as I'm concerned. Mark Miles in another interview told me he really likes the number of entries that you have right now, doesn't really want to go much 
above it because of the with two engine manufacturers it, it really they're at their limits as to what they can support are you comfortable with the 27 28 car fields moving forward well you know i think the big thing we have leader circle which is 22 and some of the tracks we just don't have enough space you know for more than that and i think that's going to be a discussion as we as we go forward the engine manufacturers would each like to have 12 not 13 or 14 i think they're committed to 2024 but i think it's something we got to look at in the future and then of course we'd have a number of support for the indy 500 but those are things that are on the drawing board we'll have to look at and come back to to you and other people once we have them figured out as we go forward over the next several months because of the way the negotiations or interests with a third oem have gone have you put that pretty much on pause for the moment well you know, we were very close uh, with a number of them, but you had COVID come in, which drove a lot of the interest away. I think uh, with a new hybrid system, which hopefully we'll introduce this year, could be a, a, a really maybe a key to get someone else to come into the series. We'd love to have a third engine manufacturer, but, you know, right now it's very competitive. I think you can see that between Honda and Chevrolet and uh, uh, we certainly would like to have one come in, but at the moment uh, we are where we are. But uh, I look forward to this, this hybrid uh, world we're going to live in, you know, for sustainability and some of the things that we're looking at to try to meet some of the things that people want around the world from the standpoint of the atmosphere where we live. So, you know, overall, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting as we look at this going forward. There's certainly enough interest from the teams. You've got drivers coming out of Indy next. And that's something you really haven't talked about. When you have 16, 17, 18 cars in Indy next, I remember when we took over the series at eight or nine. So that's been terrific. Uh, and Levi has done a wonderful job growing that series for us. A couple of the Indy next champions, most recently, Linus Lundquist got a ride at Chip Ganassi Racing. So in the past, it used to be a struggle for some of these guys to land at a really good team. He's landing at one of the best. So what does that really say? about the quality of talent that's coming up through that system. Well, it's great to see Linus get a, get a chance, uh, you know, on a world-class team. You know, Ganassi sets the bar around here, and no question for him to get that chance is terrific. And uh, to me, with Erickson moving on, I think he took a young rookie coming in who's got great experience. He drove the shank car there at the street course uh, and did a heck of a job uh, at uh, certainly at Nashville. So I see uh, him being a real player going forward. But it's a great series to get into and we're trying to run it as professionally as we can because people want to be able to connect the Indy Next to obviously the IndyCar Series and Firestone has done a terrific job coming in to sponsor that series for us. And I think the technology, the way we're running that series is as professional as we do the IndyCar Series by itself. Getting back to the TV negotiations, NBC has devoted a lot of network time. They've also uh, had a couple of races on USA. They have a really good streaming platform with Peacock. Do you see where, with their support, that they're one of the major players to really, uh, I don't want to say leader in the clubhouse, but they certainly are going to be the first that you speak with? Well, uh, Bruce, I can't. Uh, we'll talk to a lot of people. Uh, you know, NBC has done a great job with us. Uh, I think they probably have a better idea of the value of the sport than anybody else. But, uh, you know, in any kind of a opportunity and you're looking at uh, you know, competition around the, the sport, 
uh, hopefully as you look at Formula One, you look at some of the other TV contracts that have gone down, that we can be in the middle of that with some, some benefit and grow it from where we are today. You did a docu-series called 100 Days to Indy that was on the CW. Were you happy with the numbers of uh, that you were able to generate as far as viewership and also people who may not have been aware of IndyCar? Well, I think it was a great job uh, that the team put together, Allison Mellington and Jonathan Gibson and the whole uh, IndyCar uh, marketing group. Uh, look, it was a plus, there's no question. We had five to 600,000 people when you looked at it between the, the uh, first run and second run, the social media around it. Uh, we're looking at some distribution internationally of some of the series, so it was certainly a plus, and I think that uh, our goal is to try to have it again next year. How excited are you next year to end the season in Nashville and have a huge celebration in Music City? Well, Nashville's Nashville. I mean, you think about uh, all the artists that are living there and perform there, and uh, for us to be able to get the city to go along with us and move the date uh, was terrific. And me, it's a big deal. And uh, to me, it's exactly what we want. I mean, uh, we've been out in the West a long time, but this is a opportunity that really I didn't think we could put together, but Mark and uh, the team down in uh, Nashville have just come forward and said, hey, we can make it happen. We've met with the mayor. We met with the, the key people there in the city. And to me, it's going to be a big deal and it's going to take some time to get it done. But uh, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. And from what I can see, everybody, all our sponsors, uh, the key players, along with the teams, think it's a terrific opportunity in the season. Monterey moves to an earlier date in the season. Mark Miles told me it'll probably be after the Indianapolis 500, which would be a time of the year we haven't really raced out in Monterey before. But to be able to keep a track like Laguna Seca, a historic track going all the way back to the Can-Am days with Penske Racing, how valuable is that to keep uh, as a valuable property on the schedule? Well, I raced uh, back in the 50s at, uh, at Laguna Seca, so I, I like it a lot, and I think it's, I love Monterey, people love it there, and I think the fact that they had flexibility in their schedule was, uh, you know, really important to us. They certainly don't want to lose that race. And as far as Milwaukee, it hasn't been announced yet. I know you have a lot of interest in it, and I was told that your people, Penske Entertainment, would be promoting the race if and when it happens, but the value of returning to Milwaukee. Well, the Milwaukee Mile, remember we used to go out of Indianapolis and then go right back to Milwaukee for uh, the Milwaukee Mile. It's got a lot of history. Uh, we've met with a, with a governor who is very pro, having it come back. The state fair board uh, have been really working well with us. So, you know, as we put the details together, not ready to announce exactly what we're going to do there, but they spent considerable money to make the track safer and the things we needed to do so that that's point number one i think we've got some more work to do with them just on how we would you know elevate the weekend to be world class and again i want to see five or six ovals i want to see road courses and i want to see temporary circus so we have a mix of different venues so that's indycar so if your team is promoting the chevrolet detroit grand prix also the high v indycar weekend at iowa speedway and milwaukee that's three major events so how are you going to be able to get that group to be able to handle all three? Well, uh, let's uh, think about uh, the crew we have and our ability, and we can utilize our folks uh, from Indianapolis, uh, 
people that we have, uh, Brian Scusa, and we've added uh, other people within the team working with Michael Montre. I mean, it's it's our business. I mean, we started that way back. Uh, you know, as we had uh, the Speed Penske Speedways for a number of years, we ran a number of races at multiple tracks. So this is about taking the best ideas we have, the best execution with the people, whether it's, whether it's the track, you know, whether it's marketing, whether it's ticketing, whether it's concessions, all that is part of our DNA. And to me, it's just another event. And if they're not stacked right on top of each other, we can do it, I think, realistically. And I think we've been able to prove that with High V working with them uh, in Iowa, I think would be a, a great uh, you know, show place on how we can execute in more than one event, maybe just Indianapolis. In 2020, you were able to negotiate a IndyCar NASCAR weekend at the same venue at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We just completed it in 2023. Does it appear that that'll happen at the Speedway next year, although that hasn't been officially determined yet, but how valuable would it be to continue that prospect of, or that formula of having IndyCar and NASCAR at the same venue on the same weekend? Well, I think that as we look at this, uh, it's been a great weekend. I think one of the bigger challenges is logistics because uh, as we go forward, if we're not running on the road course, it's almost impossible to turn overnight you know, from a road course to a, to a to a speedway race. So these are all things that we'll bring out when we put out our schedule, exactly what we're going to do at Indianapolis that weekend of the Brickyard. Has NASCAR been open to continuing that relationship of both being at the same track? Well, NASCAR loves getting together with us. In fact, we've talked about other venues where we might go and race with them in other parts of the country. One championship is going to conclude in IndyCar, but another championship playoff begins Labor Day weekend in NASCAR and the Cup Series. And now putting on your team owner hat of Team Penske, how do you evaluate and what are your what's your forecast for Joey Logano successfully defending another NASCAR Cup Series championship for Team Penske? You know, it's been a year since we won that championship. A lot of water over the dam. And, uh, you know, we've had a decent year. Joey and Blaney have won races, are in the championship fight. Uh, the good news is, as I look at Darlington, uh, one qualified fourth, one qualified sixth. So uh, we had the speed. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, for the race over the weekend. But uh, look, we're in it. Um, we have to be in it to be running at the top, and I think the competition has never been tougher. Like it is in all sorts of racing, technology is driving you know, this success with all the teams. I think the cars are similar, but it's the little things that make a difference. Then you've got the driver base. A lot of these young kids coming up are just doing a terrific job. This ladder series, whether it's you know Xfinity, whether it's Indy Next, or it's Formula cars that they run. This is all very much part of the success, I think, of all the series that we run in. But for me, uh, we're going to be on it the best we can. Hope we can get into that final four, as we've done a number of years with one of our drivers. And from a business standpoint, how successful has 2023 been for the Penske Corporation? Well, as you know, coming off of COVID, uh, it's certainly been challenging in all of our businesses. But, uh, you know, for me, we look back and compare where we are in 2023 to 19. We're way ahead. And Roger Penske, it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to interview you and have you as a guest of the show. Thank you for all your help. Congratulations on a great 2023 IndyCar Series season. Thank you for your support. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Bruce, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for all what you're doing. You're making a big difference, uh, certainly in IndyCar, and people look forward to your pit pass uh, reporting uh, week in and week out. Thank you.
We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. This is Will Power of Team Penske, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy. With Roger Penske as the owner of IndyCar, the daily execution of his plans are implemented and negotiated by Penske Entertainment CEO Mark Miles. From the 2024 schedule to beginning the negotiations for a new television contract that begins in 2025, Miles is another man who has many more miles to go before he reaches his destination. The Penske Entertainment CEO sat down with me for this exclusive Pit Pass Indie interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Penske Entertainment President and CEO, Mark Miles. Mark, we're at the end of another exciting NTT IndyCar Series season. What do you say at the end of the year, we had Chip Ganassi Racing, basically one of their two drivers was going to win the championship. So that once again shows the star power that team owner Chip Ganassi has on his racing team. Yeah, everybody at Ganassi has to be pretty thrilled with the way they've performed this year. Um they're a quality organization, and uh, they're right there, one and two, two and one. So uh, I know Roger Penske and Andretti and uh, McLaren, all those, all those other strong teams are going to want to be giving them their, their money's worth for next year. You take great pride in having the uh, IndyCar Series season championship go down every year to the last race of the season. This year, I guess Alex Pelot had different plans, building up a pretty big points lead before the end of the year. But in a lot of ways, there's still a lot at stake in the season with guys fighting for second place, even though Scott Dixon apparently in pretty comfortable position to get second place. Joseph Newgarden mathematically could still jump up there. But when you look at the star power that we've had, in a lot of ways, this has to just be a season for the ages for what Alex Pelot has done. Yeah, you know, this is my 11th season personally, and you're right. Every year I've, I've just thought it was spectacular for fans that the championship has come down to the, to the last race, and that's been the case for many years. Um, listen, there's, you just got to hand it to Alex that he's had this sensational year He's been consistent. He's won races, and and he deserves it. So nobody laments the fact that he's had a historic year uh, in his own right. And uh, 
Yeah, and there's lots, lots of the rest of it to watch um, coming down to the wire. From your standpoint, though, you're in charge of helping to run the business of IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Penske Entertainment. So how would you assess 2023 from a business standpoint? Really, really strong and, and, uh, and growing. So um, first, here we are at a track, and uh, it's another example of where our promoter has invested and improved and brought more people, and they've brought more sponsors, they've brought and expanded new suites, put them in a better position, put big boards across from them. The suites are sold out. So I think the attendance is going to be very stellar at Portland. And that's consistent with uh, something like a 22, 24% increase in attendance across the series. So that's really good. It's healthy for our promoters and for us. And then, you know, we look at all the fan metrics for IndyCar itself and uh, they're all up. Um, we'll see what happens the with the the linear and the total audience delivery metrics for the last two races. But so far we're, we're, we're uh, ahead of any year back to, I think 2008. So we got to be really pleased about that. The schedule will look much different in 2024. The schedule isn't out yet, but instead of ending the season at Monterey, we're going to end the season on the streets in Nashville. There's been a lot said about that and how exciting that place will be to have a championship celebration on Broadway Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. It's just the exciting prospects now that we have markets that are clamoring for IndyCar dates, whereas when you first started, you had a little bit of a hard sell getting markets that take IndyCar dates. Yeah, double headers were almost a necessity, right? Because we needed to get enough races in and they were easier to do if you race twice on the same weekend, wherever we might've been. No, this this series is in, is in better shape and it's really, you know, everybody struggled with the COVID year or years, but it's gotten better every year consistently. And now I think we're kind of getting into a whole nother hyperdrive uh, gear. Is there anything you can tell us about next year's schedule? Is Monterey moving to March? Is it moving to April? Where will Monterey move on the schedule? I don't think it's going to be in March, but I'm not going to give you when, where it will happen. But it will be on the schedule. Um, but it'll be on the front part of the schedule rather than the back part? I think it'll be after the 500, if that helps. Um, so... Yeah, there's a couple of big things. We uh, have talked a lot about the fact that you got the Summer Olympics and NBC's our broadcaster. So we're going to have to take a few weeks off when we normally would be in the heart of the summer series, summer schedule and a couple other of, of smaller adjustments. And uh, but it's going to be very familiar to our fans, even fans who, who have appreciated. I mean, I, I think Milwaukee's likely it's not still not something we can announce, but I know our fans have uh, loved being in Milwaukee in the past and would be delighted if we can get back there. So even that's familiar in a sense, even if it's new uh, compared to the 2023 calendar. Up to this point, though, why has Milwaukee not been successful the last couple of attempts that IndyCars tried? I think um, two things will be uh, different. One is um, the state the fairgrounds, uh, the fair board are putting real money into improving the, the condition of the place. So IndyCar, Indy 500 fans will, will think Penske-esque. Now, not overnight completely, but they're going to make investments. It's going to be better track, more safe, and our fans will, will feel that. So that's a big thing. Uh, year over year over year, it was declining in terms of its uh, condition. The second thing is we're going to promote it. And, you know, we've done that in Detroit. We've done it with Hy-Vee's help in uh, Iowa. And um, and we do a few races in, 
Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So we're not going to let it take second shift. We're, we're going to work hard at it and, and make it the best event it can be. So when it is announced on the schedule, where on the schedule will it likely land? Oh, we got to leave something to your imagination, but it's obviously going to be in the summer. Any other major changes to the schedule? Will there be a return to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course a second time, or is that going to be a NASCAR-only weekend? I'm not going to say that's not something that we're ready to announce at this point. It needs to be finalized, and we'll roll that out as part of the overall schedule announcement. And as far, though, as a new TV schedule, where do things stand on that? When do you have to start rolling up your sleeves and getting to work on negotiating a new TV schedule? Okay, so the schedule for next year, what windows or which broadcast when, you know, is far along. In terms of relicensing our rights, um, we're starting that process now. So... Um, We'll say more about that soon, maybe even next week, but it's something that's top of mind now. And uh, the good news is we think that we will have done our homework and have a good handle on, on what our values should look like. And we think there'll be multiple broadcasters that want to talk with us. NBC has been your partner now for a good bit. Are they, I don't want to say leaders in the clubhouse, but do they have a, uh, a little bit of an advantage because of their history and what they've been able to do for the series with the number of network races that they've been able to give IndyCar? They've been a great partner, and I think, I mean, they want to continue to be our partner, and, and they've always uh, delivered. It's um, little things like we got rain, and so a particular race uh, gets affected on the calendar that day, on the clock that day, and they make arrangements to try to keep stay with us and get us the best possible coverage. As you asked, it we get a lot of reach. NBC has given us a lot of network windows, and those network windows, those broadcast windows, are important. So, and, and they and they've got a very broad platform to promote, from the Today Show and Late Night and all their other big sporting events. They. They uh, they have some real strength, and they they have Peacock, and to have a streaming partner that's part of the same uh, organization is a good advantage. This year, you debuted a docu series, 100 Days Sandy, that appeared on the CW. Did it reach the level of viewership and new audience that you wanted to achieve? And will there be a second season? Yes, we thought first of all that it was really well done. They did a great job in telling the stories and the, the quality of the of the show itself. And the audiences in the U.S. Uh, averaged about half a million spectators per uh, episode for the six episodes. So that's a useful increase in the total number of eyeballs or people that are watching IndyCar, whether it's the live races or, or the, the series. Um, where we weren't happy was the international distribution. And, but I think we're going to have some really good news about international distribution of season one quite soon. And what about second airings, uh, being able to do that on some of the other platforms that on the CW, they have an app where you could watch second airings. Vice also had uh, their channel that viewed it as far as those second opportunities to stream it when you want. How important of a function was that? It was important and it will grow. As we have news that we can release before the end of the year about international distribution of for the first airings of season one, I think we'll have some news about additional platforms that will pick up season one and give fans additional chances to see it. 
This year, they unveiled a more extensive marketing plan. How do you assess how that marketing plan has worked this season? Well, our television ratings are up our, and our um, social and digital ratings are, uh, are off the charts. So uh, I think that is in part attributable to the additional investment that we, we've made in marketing. There is talk that Andretti Autosport may scale back from a four-car team to a three-car team, but I know there are other teams that have interest in joining the series. So how do things look in regards to that? Well, I think there's, there's lots of demand or maybe I should say supply. There are teams out there and we could we we probably could consider having even more cars on the grid than we did this year, but I don't think that's our objective. Um, we're getting to the place where for the engine manufacturers and for some of our tracks, we're pretty much about where we can be. So um, we're really pleased with the, the growth of the size of the grid, the team's interest. Um, not worried a bit about that, any attrition there but not looking to grow further. I hate to bring up the third OEM because it seems that we've been talking about this now for a long time, but are things just at a pause in regards to that? Well, it's not like we decided to hit pause, but I think practically that's, that's a fair way to think about it because of the work on the hybrid. I think we need to get the hybrid out. That's, that's going to be the big news for next year, by the way. I think it's going to be sensational. And getting that out on the grid, um, I think, is going to be quite useful in sort of adding momentum to those discussions. I spoke with Rob Buckner of Chevrolet uh, to help explain the hybrid component. I think too many fans react to think that IndyCar is going electric when that's not it at all. It's just a horsepower increase done through a hybrid unit. But if you could explain what hybridization will do for IndyCar to make them more relevant. I think the simplest way to think about it, and as you know, I'm not a racing engineer, it, it's going to make the racing better. It is more horsepower. It's going to put more decisions, more strategy decisions right in the hands of the drivers. And that'll be about sort of trade-offs between deploying the hybrid or being uh, more in fuel saver um, mode or mentality. I, I, it's, and it's going to be very fluid. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very exciting, great new content, and make the racing even better. And of course, we can't have an interview without talking about the leader of the company, the owner, Roger Penske. And 87 years old, but he still rolls up his sleeves and gets at it. And do you see some renewed vigor in the man this year? I don't remember seeing a pause or any diminution of, of his vigor. He is uh, all out all the time, inspiring to all of us. And I've seen zero uh, evidence that he's getting off the throttle at all. Well, he bought the organization in November of 2019. Of course, we then had the pandemic hit in 2020. Is 2023 uh, really the first year that we started to see what the vision really was and to see that get executed? Because you were limited to some degree in 2020, 2021, and even a little bit last year. Yeah, for sure. It was 2023 is more of a normal year, if you will. I'd say more of a normal baseline year for us economically. And, uh, and we think we're going to grow. I think the TV, uh, new TV arrangements, which will be for 2025, will be important to that. And uh, as I said, our promoters are all getting healthier all the time and growing and reinvesting in facilities and capacity and quality. So, um, yeah, I think we're starting to 
hit our stride, but I don't think we've started to sprint. We've, we've, we've got lots of opportunity. Or as of now, it's not been decided if there'll be a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader on the schedule in 2024, but will there be one in 2025? I, I don't really know the answer to that question yet, but I would tell you that there are discussions about it, and both both NASCAR and we are interested in finding just the right opportunity or opportunities I don't think it's going to be a broad approach to our schedule. I'd be surprised if there, I think there's a very good chance there's a combined event by 2025. And as far as new goals, new mountains to conquer, what do you envision in the next couple of years? Well, I think we'd like to find a way to continue to strengthen our events to, to add to the, help them increase the quality of their presentation. It's good for the whole brand. It's good for them. It's good for the marketing and the sponsorship sales. We just got to keep moving up the food chain in terms of the quality of our events. That'll be an important uh, priority. I think we need to get, we'd like to be in the Northeast or the East Coast. So we'll keep looking for an opportunity there. I think we may have the opportunity to develop an event or two as non-championship, non-points races, after the end of the championship. So we really, all the teams now continue to employ all their people in the fourth quarter for the whole calendar year. I think that gives us the opportunity to do a little bit of racing uh, abroad, which helps us uh, in lots of ways, not the least of which is our international television. And finally, Roger Penske's numbers was 330000 for the Indianapolis 500. Are we nearing the sellout stage to where maybe you could show the race live on TV in central Indiana again? What's well, funny. So let's just say we would need another 25 or 30,000 to be there, which is small as a percentage of what we got. But another 30,000 is a big sports event. So, you know, and, and getting there is primarily about whether you can get more people to want to be in the infield. That's really the variable, uh, the, the opportunity. So I don't know if, if that'll happen, um, but I'd sure love for it to be the case. Mark Miles, Penske Entertainment CEO and President, congratulations on another exciting NTT IndyCar Series season. Good luck in the future, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for your work. And that puts a checkered flag on this championship edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We want to thank our guests, six-time IndyCar Series champion and Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey race winner Scott Dixon of Chip Ganassi Racing, Mike Hall, the managing director of Chip Ganassi Racing, and 2023 IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year, Marcus Armstrong. Also, special thanks to Penske Corporation owner and chairman Roger Penske and Penske Entertainment President and CEO Mark Miles for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. 
Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at Pit Pass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.